Chapter One of And So They Were Married. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Eaton. And So They Were Married by Florence Morse Kingsley. Chapter One. Dr. North's wife, attired in her dressing gown and slippers, noiselessly tilted the shutter of the old-fashioned inside blind and peered cautiously out. The moon was shining splendidly in the dark sky and the empty street seemed almost as light as day. It had been snowing earlier in the evening, Mrs. North observed absent-mindedly, and the clinging drifts weighed the dark evergreens on either side of the gate almost to the ground. A dog barked noisily from his kennel in the neighbouring yard, and a chorus of answering barks acknowledged the signal. Someone was coming along the moonlit street. There were two figures, as Mrs. North had expected. She craned her plump neck anxiously forward as the gate clicked and the light girlish laugh floated up on the frosty air. "'Dear, dear,' she murmured. "'I do hope Bessie will come right into the house. It is too cold to stand outside talking.' Apparently the young persons below did not think so. They stood in the bright moonlight in full view of the anxious watcher behind the shutter. The man's tall figure bent eagerly toward the girl, whose delicate profile Mrs. North could see distinctly under the coquettish sweep of the broad hat brim. The child ought to have worn her high overshoes, she was thinking, when she was startled by the vision of the tall, broad figure stooping over the short, slight one. Then the key clicked in the lock and the front door opened softly. The sound was echoed by the closing gate as the tall figure tramped briskly away over the creaking snow. The neighbour's dog barked again, perfunctorily this time, as if acknowledging the entire respectability of the passer-by. All the other dogs in town responded in kind, and again there was silence broken only by the sound of a light foot on the carpeted stair. Mrs. North opened her door softly. "'Is that you, Bessie?' "'Yes, mother. Isn't it very late, child?' "'It is only half-past eleven. "'Did Louise go with you?' "'No, mother, she had a sore throat, and it was snowing, "'so her aunt wouldn't allow her to go.' "'Oh,' Mrs. North's voice expressed a faint disapproval. "'Of course we couldn't help it. "'Besides, all the other girls were there just with their escorts. "'You and Grandma are so old-fashioned. "'I'm sure I don't see why I always have to have some other girl along, "'and Louise Glennie of all persons. "'I couldn't help being just a little bit glad that she couldn't go.' "'Did you have a nice time, dear?' "'The girl turned a radiant face upon her mother. "'Oh, we had a lovely time,' she murmured. "'Ah, I'll tell you about it tomorrow. "'Is father home?' "'Yes, he came in early tonight and went right to bed. "'I hope the telephone bell won't ring again before morning.' "'The girl laughed softly. "'You might take off the receiver,' she suggested. "'Poor Daddy.' "'Oh, no, I couldn't do that. "'Your father would never forgive me, "'but I told him not to have it on his mind. "'I'll watch out for it and answer it.' and if it's Mrs. Salter again with one of her imaginary sinking spells, I'm going to tell her the doctor won't be in before six in the morning. I do hope it isn't wrong to deceive that much, but your father isn't made of iron, whatever some people may think. The girl laughed again, a low murmur of joy. Good night, dear little mother, she said caressingly. You are always watching and waiting for someone, aren't you? But you needn't have worried about me. She stooped and kissed her mother her eyes shining like stars, then hurried away to hide the blush which swept her face and neck. "'Dear, dear,' sighed Mrs. North, as she crept back to her couch drawn close to the muffled telephone. "'I suppose I ought to have spoken to her father before this, but he's always so busy. I hardly have time to say two words to him, 
Besides, he thinks Bessie is only a child, and he would have laughed at me. The girl was taking off her hat and cloak in her own room. How long ago it seemed since she had put them on. She smoothed out her white gloves with caressing fingers. I shall always keep them, she thought. She was still conscious of his first kisses and looked in her glass as if half expecting to see some visible token of them. I am so happy, so happy, she murmured to the radiant reflection which smiled back at her from out of its shadowy depths. She leaned forward and touched the cold smooth surface with her lips in a sudden passion of gratitude for the fair, richly tinted skin, the large bright eyes with their long curling lashes, the masses of brown waving hair and the pliant beauty of the strong young figure in the mirror. If I had been freckled and stoop-shouldered and awkward, like Louise Glenny, he couldn't have loved me, she was thinking. She sank to her knees after a while and buried her face in the coverlid of her little bed but she could think only of the look in his eyes when he had said, I love you, and the thrilling touch of his lips on hers. She crept into bed and lay there in a wide-eyed rapture, while the village clock struck one, and after a long blissful hour, two. Then she fell asleep and did not hear the telephone bell, which called her tired father from his bed in the dim, cold hour between three and four. She was still rosily asleep and dreaming when Mrs. North came softly into the room in the broad sunlight of the winter morning. "'Isn't Lizzie awake yet?' inquired a brisk voice from the hall. "'My, my, but girls are idle creatures nowadays.' The owner of the voice followed this dictum with a quiet patter of softly shod feet. "'I didn't like to call her mother,' apologised Mrs. North. "'She came in late and—' Grandmother Carroll pursed up her small wise mouth. "'I heard her,' she said, and that young man with her.' I don't know, daughter, but what we ought to inquire into his prospects and character a little more carefully. If he's to be allowed to come here so constant. Liz is very young and... Oh, Grandma! protested a drowsy voice from the pillows. I'm twenty. Twenty, yes. I know you're twenty, my dear. Quite old enough, I should say, to be out of bed before nine in the morning. It wasn't her fault, mother. I didn't call her. The girl was gazing at the two round matronly figures at the foot of the bed, her laughing eyes grown suddenly serious. I'll get up at once, she said with decision, and I'll eat bread and milk for breakfast. I shan't mind. She's got something on her mind, whispered Mrs. North to her mother, as the two pattered softly downstairs. I shouldn't wonder, responded Grandmother Carol briskly. Girls of her age are pretty likely to have and I mistrust but what that young Bowser may have been putting notions into her head. I hope you'll be firm with her daughter. She's much too young for anything of that sort. You were married when you were eighteen, mother, and I was barely twenty, you know. I was a very different girl at eighteen from what Lizzie is, Mrs. Carroll said warmly. She's been brought up differently. In my time, healthy girls didn't lie in bed till ten o'clock. Many and many's the time I've danced till twelve o'clock, and been up in the morning at five, tending to my work. You indulge Lizzie too much, and if that young Bixler, his name is Brewster, mother, don't you remember, and they say he comes of a fine old Boston family. Well, Brewster or Bixler, it will make no difference to Lizzie, you'll find. I've been watching her for more than a month back, and I'll tell you, daughter, when a girl like Lizzie offers to eat bread and milk for breakfast, you can expect almost anything. Her mind is on other things. I'll never forget the way you ate a boiled egg for breakfast every morning for a week, and you couldn't bear eggs. About the time the doctor was getting serious, I mistrusted there was something to pay, and I wasn't mistaken. Mrs. North sighed vaguely. Then her tired brown eyes lighted up with a smile. 
"'I had letters from both the boys this morning,' she said. "'Don't you want to read them, mother?' "'Frank had passed all his mid-year examinations, "'and Elliot says he's just made the varsity gym team.' "'Made the what?' "'I don't quite understand myself,' acknowledged Mrs. North. "'But that's what he said. "'He said he'd have his numerals to show us when he came home Easter.' "'Hm,' murmured Mrs. Carroll dubiously. "'I'm sure I hope he won't break his neck in any foolish way. "'Did he say anything about his lessons?' "'Not much. "'He never was such a student as Frank, but he'll do well, mother.' "'Elizabeth North, fresh as a dewy rose and radiant with her new happiness, "'came into the room just as Mrs. Carroll folded the last sheet of the college letters. "'I'll ask Lizzie,' she said. "'Lizzie, what is a gym team?' "'Oh, Grandma,' protested the girl. "'Please don't call me Lizzie. "'Bessie is bad enough, but Lizzie, "'I always think of that absurd old Mother Goose rhyme. "'Elizabeth, Lizzie, Betsy and Bess "'all went hunting to find a bird's nest. "'And besides, you promised me you wouldn't.' "'Lizzie was a good enough name for your mother,' said Grandma briskly. "'Your father courted and married her under that name, and he didn't mind.' Her keen old eyes behind their shining glasses dwelt triumphantly on the girl's changing colour. "'You needn't tell me,' she finished, irrelevantly. But Elizabeth had possessed herself of the letters and was already deep in a laughing perusal of Elliot's scrawl. "'Oh, how splendid!' she cried. "'He's made the varsity on his ring work, too.' "'I don't pretend to understand what particular work Elliot is referring to,' observed Grandma with studied mildness. "'Is it some sort of mathematics?' Elizabeth sprang up and flung both arms about the smiling old lady. "'You dear little hypocritical Grandma,' she said. "'You know perfectly well that it isn't any study at all, but just gymnastic work. "'All sorts of stunts, swinging on rings, and doing back and front levers, and shoulder stands, and all that sort of thing.' Elliot has such magnificent muscles, he can do anything, and better than anyone else, and that's why he's on the varsity, you see. Thank you, Elizabeth, said Grandma tranquilly. I'd entirely forgotten that young men don't go to college now to study their lessons. My memory is certainly getting poor. No, Grandma dear, it isn't. You remember everything a thousand times better than anyone else, and what is more, you know it. But of course, Elliot studies. He has to. Mr. Brewster says he thinks Elliot is one of the finest boys he knows. He thinks he would make a splendid engineer. He admires Frank, too, immensely, and... What does the young man think of Elizabeth? asked Mrs. Carroll with a wise smile. He... Oh, Grandma, I didn't mean to tell just yet, but he... I... There, there, child. Better go and find your mother. I mistrust she's getting you a hot breakfast. She drew the girl into her soft old arms and kissed her twice. Elizabeth sprang up all in a lovely flame of blushes and ran out of the room. End of chapter 1 Recording by Michelle Eaton